Shall we begin? Let's begin now. Hello, I'm Richard Hattersley and welcome to No Account for Taste, a podcast from accountingweb.co.uk. On the show this week, we'll be exploring how the accountancy profession is using video and social media to build their brands, reach new clients, and perhaps even solve the recruitment crisis. We'll also round up all the latest news from the past week in the world of accountancy, including a rare break uh, from diplomacy from a group of tax bodies who publicly raise concerns about poor HMRC service levels. And we'll also get the latest from AccountingWeb's Insight Research this week on practice management software. And it wouldn't be no account for taste if we didn't check in on the latest news and reaction on making tax digital. Joining me to discuss all this and much, much more is AccountingWeb's technology editor, Tom Herbert. Hi, Richard. Hi, everyone. And back in Insight's corner today is AccountingWeb's resident statistician. It's John Stockdyke. Thanks again, uh, Richard. It's always a pleasure to, to join the listeners and you, of course. And we are also delighted to welcome into our virtual pod studio this week, taking the chair in Accountant's Corner. It is, of course, the co-founder and managing director of Future Cloud. It's Francesca Tricarico. Hello. You nearly got that right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Francesca, um, correct me. What? How? How would I pronounce your surname? It's Tricarico, but Tricarico. a lot of Eng- the, the English people normally say Tricarico because it's how it looks. <laughs> Tricarico. <laughs> Hello, Francesca. Thank you so much for joining us this week. How's life at Future Cloud? Oh no, I really, really appreciate you asking me late last night. <laughs> Um, future cloud life. Uh, we're in like year three now, and I think year three to four has probably been the hardest year for me so far. Even though you think it's year one and two will be, I think year three to four is massive at the minute. Is there anything in particular that's causing those challenges? Um, having a team, recruiting. You you tend to find your feet, I think, around year three because you might not have the the clientele that you wanted. You you learn quickly, you change things. Um, We grew quite quickly for the first three years and I find three to four, our growth has slowed a little bit, but that's because we're getting more of the team in with us. So recruiting's hard as well. Yeah, Francesco Zero's studied this and put out figures in the past, and they show that there's very definitely a kind of a stair-step um, process that you go through as you kind of take on the first staff members and you, you get up to a certain level, and then it is it's kind of taking the next step up. There's a sort of you know growth up you know up into the sort of six-figure levels, mm-hmm. and then there's another when you get through that barrier, there's another one at around three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year turnover. I, you know, I'm not sure which level you're at, but, oh, we'll pass that. but those growth, <laughs> it, it's kind of a, you know you take a step up and sink back a bit, and then take the next step up and sink back. Oh, so, thank, so it's a kind of a thank well, you for reassuring me there. Actually, <laughs> yeah, it's a well-worn path. Well, we'll be hearing more from Francesca later in the show on how video has been one of the tools she's utilised in order to grow her practice. But first, let's find out what stories are shaking up the world of accountancy this week. We're going to start at number three, the third most read story 
on accountweb.co.uk. And John, this was the latest from our Insight research, which confirmed the high activity levels in practice management software market this spring. So John, it was a piece which you put together and um, some really interesting um, uh, discussions coming from this one. Yeah, well, it always gives me a bit of a thrill when, when, when my pieces show up here, because for one side, there might be something I actually know what I'm talking about. So uh, that's a good improvement. Uh, yep, it's, it's, there's maybe a touch of self-servingness here, because I mean, I think we spent all of the autumn predicting that they were just new and felt. People were telling us all this pent-up demand as, as people had kind of put in the um, emergency panic um you know, measures to just get themselves and their clients through the uh, the pandemic and lockdowns. Uh, so, so, you know, people could, knew what they needed to do a lot, you know, it clarified a lot of things and accelerated a lot of tech, tech, tech adoption. But, you know, the, the string and bailing wire solutions that kind of just about worked in, in the emergency, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of activity people wanting to, to bed them in, you know, actually review the processes and refine them and then automate uh, so so we predicted it uh, and, and what's better what, there's no better feeling than one of your predictions comes true um, and and to sort of back the statistical trends that, that we're picking up from these kind of quarterly surveys that that we we do with our our, our members now through the insight team uh, the vendors, of course, have their little role to play, and they just piled in all over. It was we couldn't keep up, Tom, could we? The uh, pretty much the weekly launches. I mean, Sage Sage made the running at the turn of the year. They announced the product at the turn of the year, but I'm not sure it was on the street fighting the fight with the practitioners during tax season. But Sage for accountants is definitely gaining all the right bits and pieces now. So they were first out of the traps. BTC has got a, a, a compliance suite, so they've gone cloud uh, with that. Again, they'll be rolling that out and, and putting the little bits and pieces on the cloud shelf over the year. Well, and Iris Elements, that's been a, that was like Sage, that was a, gosh, they've probably been working on that for seven years. So Iris Elements now exists. Uh, so everything's coming to every, everything's coming into place now. And then the place it's coming into is cloud, the, the practice in the cloud. So, so that, that is that is a transformation we're spotting here, and there's just all sorts of little backwaters and nuances. You know, whatever level you are, uh, you know, there's a lot more choice coming onto the market for you. I mean, Tom, you've you've covered some of these too. You know, what what do you see any any early winners or losers or, or particular trends taking taking root from from the research you've done? I think what's interesting is they're coming at things from different directions. You know, the big cloud accounting engines sort of building their various compliance and, and potentially suite offerings, you know, Sage snaffling up all these sort of cloud native products. Um, Zero, we'll probably hear a bit more from them next month um, about about what they're up to. Um, QBO sort of potentially getting into the compliance game as well. Um, you've got your desktop suites. You've mentioned Iris and BTC. Then you've got cloud native suites like KPM and Namisma and, and everyone else sort of booting their profile. So they're all kind of smashing in together. It's it's It'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And I mean, you mentioned the sort of dry powder in terms of <clears throat> practice demand. I mean, also on the, on, on the investment side of things, the, the, the private equity side of things with like, HG piling into Iris and, and Bright Group, it, it, it does feel like we're heading into a bit of a, a, a golden age in terms of 
choice of accounting software. I mean, the pendulum sort of swings back and forth, doesn't it? And and I mean, maybe maybe the consolidation era is that we're we're at the sort of upswing of of that at the moment. So yeah, it's uh, it 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 is certainly an interesting time, a good time to be um, uh, in practice, as it were. Well, Francesca, where do you kind of sit? In, in terms of practice management software, is that something which you have um, already um, implemented in your firm and is acting as kind of like that engine for your practice? Yeah, um, we've discovered in, well, before we started the business, me and Charlotte had a lot of chats around March of 2019 and Charlotte looked into stuff right at the beginning before we even had a client. And I remember thinking, we haven't even got one client, she wants a practice management software, but because she was already on LinkedIn and she saw someone talking about accountancy manager and what I loved about accountancy manager as well, the fact you could sign, we wanted someone that can sign through a portal. So there was no paper and that's one both, we both wanted paperless office from the beginning. And she was good to actually implement that ready for April, because even if you've just got one client, it's best to get that system in place because we grew quite quickly and our clients loved because the fact that they didn't have to sign paperwork and that was the selling point for us. And to be fair, no software is perfect and you've just got to work with what you've got. And it actually scares me that the more choice people have, it, it's harder to choose one. That's very true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, Francesca, I mean, you were talking about kind of the growth pains. Um, do you, do you feel accountancy manager? I mean, what, 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 what are your compliance solutions? Have you, have you got a, you, you know, use a particular tax suite or accounts production tool or? Yeah. So we've obviously got accountancy manager. We do most of our clients apart from two, I think, um, on zero. Um, we've got inform direct that helps us as well. With accountancy manager, the things that are missing, which they are implementing, we do have like a prospect list as well, which is good for me for onboarding. Um, but it's the task function. So we use Asana to do some like one-off projects and things, but they are improving their task function. So what I find, if you get with a, an accounting software right at the beginning as well of their journey, because they're, they're building and learning, they're, some of them are not accountants themselves, you can feed back improvements. So I think people have said about the task area needed improving because that would help our team as well to do some bits like that. So our where we do our task stuff, so we know where the year-end deadlines are, we do that on a spreadsheet to be fair. So yeah, there's still room for improvements on any software you find. You will find every software's got some sort of niggle. Yeah, and, and, and they always seem to have a spreadsheet in between them, the functions to, to fill the gaps. Um, yeah, but... we do actually, but it, we have weeks, so for our team as well, we do have weekly updates on accounts year ends. So to do that, we have a spreadsheet. Ideally, you'd want all that implementing, so you no more spreadsheets, but I just that's so I don't think anyone has managed that or told me a software that does it all <laughs> the, the one thing a lot of firms did do and we've seen this coming out of the insight and, and various other things like the, the entries to our awards have been doing is, is a lot of people are looking at those task workflows and yeah. you know, it takes a lot of work to con, you know to convert what you've got in your spreadsheet into the processes in the tool but yeah. but I do think that is that is one of the if you can get the services defined in a consistent way and deliver you know when you talk to Sharon Pocock at Kendra Pocock yeah. that's what she's done she's she does it all the way back through through her onboarding process through to the service delivery it yeah. that kind of 
streamlining and automation uh, you know because when you do that you also kind of look, find out where the gaps you just look for the spreadsheets and you know if you can yeah. take that out of the loop you've cut cut us you cut two steps out of your, your process so so hopefully yeah. uh, if you can find the time and resource to to you know put the work in those tools really yeah. can help you scale up you know that that's yeah. so it's less less you know wrangling the data and it, it's just coming in and triggering an action within the firm. I mean, as I say, this is yeah. going on everywhere. Every every account, you know, it's a great conversation I, I have with pretty much every account I meet. So thank you for, for playing the role of our representative uh, practitioner this week. That's all right, thank you. Well, let's move on to our second most read story from the past seven days. And this one is where HMRC's service levels are back in the headlines. So this was the news that the professional bodies broke from their usual diplomacy. And in a joint letter signed by the ATT, CIOT, ICAEW, and ICAS, they um, they called out HMRC's uh, long-standing um, some long-standing concerns around HMRC's service levels. Um, they said in the letter, "We are under considerable pressure from our members to demonstrate what we are doing about poor HMRC performance levels and to raise the." issues with government parliamentary parliamentary committees and the media the impact on individuals and businesses of these delays is considerable uh, the letter listed a number of issues that uh, is that have been frequently raised by um, by their members and these include self-assessment registrations and refunds delays to that correspondence with VAT grouping and option to tax uh, plenty other kind of delays there as well and, and they were asked uh, some more information and John what was um, unique about this is that this was a rare break from the ranks really they're usually any kind of complaints like this I guess naturally would be behind closed doors and, and a lot of these uh, professional bodies wouldn't be as public as what they have been in this letter but um, to be so public about it definitely does show the frustration from a lot of people within the accountancy profession of just the amount of delays and, um, as the letter said, poor HMRC service levels. Yeah, well, yeah, sort of a little bit of a toys out of the pram and the, the accounting web members, you know, it's no surprise to our members that service levels are abysmal because we see it played out over and over and over every day on, on, on any answers. But yeah, it's it's the fact that the concerted ta the tax bodies have got together and acted in in concert is significant. I think the last time we saw this happen, uh, they were saying how impractical the MTD deadline was, and what you know it there was another another year's delay <laughs> announced not long afterwards. Uh, so the yeah if the bodies will will act, it takes quite a lot to provoke them to this level, but um, they've reached the limit. But the um, as I say, that what they say is substantiated by their members, by our members, and 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 it's it's not just anecdotal. Um, we are coming up to annual account season for the, the civil service, uh, and HMRCs. That's always one of the most interesting areas of of the NAO auditors report about the service measures and metrics and how well HMRC is meeting them, and. And the thing is, I mean, the, you know, the phone line times, I can't remember what the exact numbers are, but they, they are shocking and abysmal. But it doesn't really even touch, you know, just how long it takes the phone to be answered. It, 
accountants know this too, because a lot of them are now measuring phone answering times. But it's not how long it, ta long it takes you to answer the phone. It's how long does it take you to resolve the query. And um, those, let's say, the, I think a, 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 probably some impressive percentage of accounting web's time is probably people hanging on hold for, for the HMRC with nothing better to do than to come on and have a moan on, on, on any answers. And, and Tom, um, I'm, I know you've done some, some research on some of the um, um, avenues which some agents have been able to get in contact with HMRC and you've, you've, you've looked into that. So what do you make of the, this, uh, this approach which the professional bodies have taken in calling out these uh, service levels? Well, uh, <clears throat> I'd, I'd go along with one of the uh, one of the commenters who uh, points out that uh, if these guys are getting involved then things must be bad um, I mean I, I feel like I just press play on the tape but I I seem to say every time on this podcast that stats like this emerge or letters like this emerge I mean you know the merger of Inland Revenue and Customs and Excise back in 2005 prompted all this. I mean, since the merger, staffing levels have been slashed. They've been halved, effectively. They wanted efficiencies to bring things down from 120,000. And the current chair of the FRC, who used to be in charge of HMRC, cut actually further than he needed to on the presumption that technology would pick up the strain. And, and, and as we all know, I mean, I, I probably shouldn't be saying this as tech editor, but, you know, you, you, you need tech and process and people, you know, to get to get these things right. Um, add, add to that, you know, the sort of swinging cuts, add to that the pressure put on them by COVID, the, the self-inflicted blunderbuss wound that is Brexit that HMRC had to deal with, and then, you know, the, the, the pressure to raise additional revenue, uh, you know, it, it, it's hit them. I, I, I get it. It's a total pain. You know, the waiting, the, the, the VAT helpline cut down to four days a week, the massive delay in responding to sort of postal queries. It's, it's a massive um, burden put on accountancy firms. But, you know, I'm not, I mean, I, I don't blame HMRC staff here particularly. I know a few of them, they're, they're, they're decent, hardworking people doing an impossible job. And um, it's hard not to think that the the underfunding you know is is deliberate in some ways you know i i don't like yeah um i i don't know maybe i shouldn't put down uh, you know put down to malice what can be put down to incompetence i'm i'm not sure but uh, yeah it's it's um yeah it, it is a concern well francesca i'd be uh curious to, to know what what kind of the uh, the reaction is on the front line then like, like what experience have you had in trying to um, get in contact with HMRC? Is it kind of as the professional bodies are describing? Yeah, it is, to be fair. Um, I just had a chat with Matt about this. I looked into a few things before this podcast about wait times. So you can actually, which I think is pretty good for HMRC, you can actually log in and check how long um, a reply to a letter is now. And I put in about a self-assessment and it's four weeks, it said on the online system, which I think is pretty good. Um it's a hard one. It's a hard job. I feel bad for them, but the pain points are the letters, you know, even waiting for agent codes. Is surely there's a way they can do that, like on an email now. You know, they want everything digital. They need to like probably do it more digital themselves. Um, they must have a they have a hard job in themselves anyway. What they do, I think that it'd be good to have some of the team at HMRC be, be more have more empathy sorry about your wait time just be a bit more so then when people are ready to rant because they've waited so long 
they might need that bit more customer care experience. Then, then someone can't rant at them because they've already apologised and been a bit more empathetic. How can I help you? I'm really sorry about this. I know it must be frustrating. We're all doing our best. And then someone will be like, oh, I can't rant now. <laughs> So potentially there's a that's more changes. Obviously, everywhere needs more team staff. Everybody needs, you know, you could say let's hire more people. Um, I do think some of the HMRC team, like if they're speaking to an accountant who knows about tax, and then you ring HMRC, they're in the tax department, and there's conflicting information. That must be frustrating too, which I know happens a lot. Well, whilst we're talking about HMRC, we may as well move on to our most read story from the past seven days. And it's, of course, on Making Tax Digital. This week, uh, Rebecca Cave, our tax editor, is taking a look at the key things you need to know about MTD for income tax. Uh, she boils it down to who is within the regime, when do they have to start reporting, and what has to be reported. And I think it is a piece worthwhile going out of your time to read is it goes through kind of all the, the frequently asked questions. But I think Rebecca really um, hit the nail on the head in her conclusion where she said, please note that information published here may not agree with previous articles as the practical operation of MTD ITSA appears to be an evolutionary process, not a designed plan. And John, I guess that is really, uh, there's the rub really here, isn't it? That's the... Um, that's kind of the problem when it gets to these get the basics right kind of pieces that we're writing. Speaking of replays and rewinders, I think I'll insert my tape here on the um, issue that winds Rebecca Cave up no end. That, that it, a lot of this is being delegated to the software developers and you know, software programming and agile, agile method. You know, this is not entirely compatible with tax law, and so so some design thing. You know, there are there, are, it's not so much um, conflicts, but just confusions and, and different approaches are emerging because different developers take different routes, and and the legislation isn't there. So so things are being sort of devised on the fly, and the snags are being picked up on the fly, but not necessarily solved. So that's that's a sort of a. a that that's the source of her somewhat little sharp riposte at the end. Um, this story is, is you know, I was actually kind of had a hand in the, or the gestation of the story because it, it came out of a BTC software seminar I did uh, where online, which is worth watching as well, where the CEO came on and, 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 and a, another accountant and they wanted to sort of talk us through the unanswered questions and at least identify what they are. And I think I had we had seventy five of them come through in the space of an hour long. Well, I just could, you know you, you do this regularly on the Any Answers Library. I just couldn't keep up with them all. There were so many, uh, so we compiled them, fed them to Rebecca, and she's taking them off to you know we couldn't answer them all in the hour. So we're, so she's taken it on herself to to pin down where she can get answers, and 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 I say a lot of them possibly she can't. It it was interesting and in why we, she started right at the basics because. Still, whenever you do an MTD webinar, uh, even amongst you know experienced practitioners and accounting web members who we've been telling about this program for best part of six, seven years, uh, there's still a lot of you know the basics aren't in place. People don't know everything. You know they've probably had other worries on their hands. So, so a lot of it is going back to square one. This is who's coming in. This is what they've got to do. You know, just the outlines. And and as I say, the minute you Add a new intro in income source, the picture gets more complicated, and another in, in a partnership that, that puts you into a different bracket. 
the as I say, there's there's uh, four point two million taxpayers. We all know that there's there's an infinite variety of circumstances will apply, and and I say the uh, working our way towards a, a working solution is proving to be a difficult enterprise for everyone. So so Rebecca and, and you know we BTC all the vendors, all the experts, and even the professional bodies playing a role trying to sort of bring forward what what authoritative information we can when we can is, is the best we can do in these circumstances absolutely um francesca i'd be curious then uh, as we kind of set out here there's still a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to mdd um so at future cloud how are you kind of preparing not just your firm but also your clients this is it something which you're kind of holding off until you know a little bit more or are you kind of reshaping the practice? I'm, I'm, I started it years ago. I started it in 2019 getting them digital. I'm excited for it. <laughs> That's probably really different. But however, you can make the best of it because the clients, when it happens, will get to know their accounts even better than they do after a year, should we say. Um, I, I've even said to clients, when I do a prospect and it's a, and they're a short, sole trader especially, I'll say it's better to get digital, go digital now. I don't want a bag of receipts um, because then you've got a system in place. We'll guide you through it. I'm hoping zero is that that's our solution anyway. So they will hopefully, you know, update us on how to do that. We're already looking into it when we go to the likes of Accountex and Digital Accountancy Show. Um I think you just got to be ahead of the game and you need to start early. You've got to start now. I know it might change, even though we was trying last year and it changed, it might forward a year, but I'd definitely start looking into it because it's definitely happening anyway. So we feel, I feel fine personally. And Tom, there's certainly an issue there for some firms because they may be holding back for more information from HMRC and to start their communication. But um, I guess the problem is the longer you wait to communicate with clients, the difficulty it may eventually be once something whenever it happens eventually rolls out yeah and i understand that you know for those with uh um i don't know maybe a lifestyle practice you know a couple of days and a couple of days in the office a couple of days on the golf course you know you've got your you've got your desktop set up you know you've got your you've got your clients who you've kind of grown old with it 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 is it is a massive gear shift and um you know that's not to not to patronize people you know there are plenty of plenty of um sort of tech savvy um accountants in the old generation but uh yeah um i guess it's a a shift in workflow as well with the, the sort of quarterly submissions don't call them returns richard um so uh yeah um that it, it is sort of having to having to adjust the whole way you're 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 set up um and i mean potentially looking into new new software whether it's whether it's sort of filing software or bridging software or you know anything that emerges um there are still uh checks notes three um pieces of software available now to join the pilot um plenty more in development i noticed a new one that was added today called patmar uh, which is a sort of property um, tax, I think. But uh, yeah, um, there's still still plenty, still a lot up in the air in terms of the the sort of pilot and the software side of things as well. 
Well, that brings us to an end of our three most read stories from the past seven days and also um, a chance to move on to our big deep dive topic for this week. And it is, of course, looking at this big trend, this sudden rise of social media and how that's being used to build brands of accountancy firms. Um, and Francesca, this is really something which you are one of the, the pioneers of, really, just anyone who is connected with you on, on LinkedIn or kind of know of yourself or, or your, your firm Future Cloud will probably come across your, your videos where you've kind of, um, you've, you've created this kind of a real honest and open way that you do discussing your practice and just how you're dealing with whether it's just your clients or just your, the, the daily life as um, as a as a co-founder of a practice so uh, I think the best place to start off to, with this discussion is maybe just your thinking behind it just you started your firm in 2019 was this part of your plan was this part of the way that you were going to grow your practice or was it just just a natural thing for you that that you use as an outlet it was um it's not it wasn't a plan as in i thought oh, this will get me loads of clients but i also know and knew from working in the old practice and network networking hate that word networking but it's true that people buy from people and i thought and i i also found on social media there's a lot of fakery about and i thought i don't know i just wanted i like the idea of sharing the highs and lows in business so i did a day one of when i went self-employed in 2019 and said what i was going to be doing to gain business and i stuck to it and i said right i've arrived at this networking event told them about that talked about zero talked about receipt bank obviously dex now but it's receipt back then and explained the highs and lows explained how important it is to get your you know books up to date blah 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 and then i had the inboxes on linkedin and the people messaging, replying, or letting me know where the next networking event is, because it's real. And then they're getting to know my personality. And at first, I felt so vulnerable, so vulnerable, because it, it, it's, it's hard, but it, it's, it works. And personal branding is going to be massive coming up. And that is, that is an interesting one about personal branding, because um, in, this, in this world now where... Um, geography is no longer an issue when it comes to picking the right accountancy firm for you if you're um, a, a small business or whoever you may mm. be you kind of need something to differentiate yourself whether some people may go down a niche but mm. yeah. certainly for you uh, video has been something that you've used to differentiate yourself yeah definitely and also the hoodies back then um, I remember I went going to an event and a small like networking group and it, we're all kind of new businesses and saying, oh, I'm waiting on my hoodies. And a woman that I later became friends with, she said she thought at the time when I mentioned hoodies, she was like, accountants in hoodies. Oh, that's ridiculous. And then we became friends and realized, and saw the growth and that. And she admitted that at the time, she even thought that was ridiculous and you'd, people turn their noses away and stuff. Um, I just I just think it's, you need to be yourself in business as well. And, and the hood is, I know it's as silly as it sounds, but people find you more approachable and more relaxed with you. And that's, I suppose, why I was sharing the way I was on social media. And I do know social media is only going to get bigger and better. And it's, I don't think it's going to be your formal networking or your breakfast clubs anymore. Look at what, so I've, I've got a 16-year-old as well, but look at what the kids are doing and what they're using. 
as silly as it sounds, it's hard. But if you don't want to do it yourself and you're, you'll be more mature when you get into that state, you need to hire the people that can do it. I don't think it's just the kids, Francesca. You, well, you know, Richard, Tom and I, we've all been looking at entries for the Accounting Excellence Awards and, and I sort of have uh, tallied up the ones I looked at and yeah. that thing you said, the, the shift from old-fashioned net, you know, old networking yeah. kind of hasn't probably recovered from its... Uh, its disruption uh, during the pandemic, but you know, you you were definitely the early adopter of it. I think more than half the entries I looked looked at, people mentioned doing webinars, recording videos, doing social media. So, so that really? amongst our award entrants, that shift has happened. Is is happening? Has yeah. almost happened. Yeah. So they're all following your example now. <laughs> Brilliant. And John, I was struck as well by something Francesca said, which said people buy from people. And that's another theme which we're seeing emerge mm. from the accounting excellence uh, trends this year is just the human factor, isn't it? Just yeah. um, it's the human is the the big thing this year. Yeah, 100%. You know, that time it, it was evident. I guess you started out probably with that. And that, that was the period when, again, you're a bit in the, the vanguard because the skills crunch and... and things like client service it was already it was just it was beginning to rear its head and i think richard you know we've talked about well-being and, and staff care and, and and engagement and all employee engagement you know richard you were we, richard was writing about it sort of 2018 19 it was clear that, that there was there was there was an issue with getting people and getting skilled people in place before the pandemic and that just that it, it didn't it didn't hide the issue but coming out the back of it it's just suddenly made it that much more acute you know it's really biting people really feeling it now so and and again i'm, I'm talking from client service where i judged uh it's so important that that you, you know you don't just treat your clients as individuals and in people and understand their motivations and needs but you know you can't address every client it's your staff have you, you have to have the same kind of bond with your staff and they've got to buy into you as well. and, and and I think one of our entrants, other entrants, sort of said, you know, you get that staff relation, you know, relations right, and they they get engaged and they really are behind and feel what you're doing. They transmit that to the clients, and you, you know, you get this. That's that's the secret of client satisfaction, and 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 that's what drives growth. So you know, it's just so simple, but so hard to do. It it is. Um, we had a website inquiry last yesterday. We are recruited at the minute. And they happened to see one of our employees, because I've encouraged them to do social media, post on LinkedIn. So then he looked at our website, then he watched the videos and got a feel for who we were. And he, he messaged us to say he loved our core values, the way we are, um, and said, please, can you give me an interview sort of thing? I was like, yeah, because you're not from a recruitment, recruitment agency, I don't need to pay that fee. <laughs> so I'm going to chat with him next week. And it's the power of social media. I think as well. I mean, like staffing is with with the sort of recruitment crunch we're seeing. I mean, the the, the traditional accountancy model of like getting uni graduates in, paying them to crunch numbers late into the night, keeping them away from clients in the you know in the basement office. I mean, you you just look just have to look at Reddit. You know, people are turning away from that that traditional traditional route. They don't they don't want that. You know, as more of a sort of. Uh, uh, 
more of a generation coming through the the as the Gen Z has hit the hit the workforce. You know, they are they are going to want different things to what their their predecessors see before, and they are actually they are actually a bit different to to you know I'm a, I'm a cynical generation Xer um myself uh, you know millennials were slightly different but you know i think think these guys again i mean total digital natives they they are wired a bit differently and it's with culture being such a big thing as well with the county firms these days you you do hear a lot of the firms talk about how and culture is important to the firm but it's difficult to communicate that to everyone else everyone within the firm may realize that so something as simple as creating uh, by showcasing your personality or um, getting a glimpse of what the culture of the firm looks like in just a quick three minute video, it can do so much in order to let the wider world know just what you can expect if you want to say join that firm or be a client there. Is that kind of you, you find in that that ripple effect in your videos, Francesca? Yeah, 100%. Honestly, it's it's a game changer once you can crack it and then your team are watching. Um, we're a very open house. They know if I'm saying on social media that you can talk to me anytime and I'm a feely person, then they can definitely talk to me because I'm not going to be something on screen and then not behind the scenes. Um, and I think people are scared to be vulnerable and show that and stick to stuff and the clients are watching my videos and they might be offended, but then they're not your type of client then, are they? They're that easily offended nowadays. Um, and I do think clients like it because you can have a bit of a giggle on your meeting and they already, they already know, like, we've got something to talk about as well when you meet them because they see what you're up to. People are nosy, aren't they? They want to see what you're up to and that's part of the personal brand as well. We do hear a lot about creating your ideal client, don't we? And just how, how can you get that <laughs> ideal client? And I suppose by... Um, exuding your personality out then and kind of showing who yeah. you are in in that respect your clients will naturally gravitate towards you your ideal clients yeah and it's a long-term thing as well because if you are you're getting a younger generation joining your startups the money's not necessarily there straight away but however if they've been watching years it takes years for someone to to message you they need to watch you for a good couple of years same with networking if you find you go to networking you're not going to get a sale on day one because you're not going if you tell yourself you're not going for that it takes years someone needs to trust you so by showing up on social media and, and i know for people the businesses that's come over i know they've been watching me for two years and i'm like yes when they finally message me i'm like you could have messaged me a year ago but they need that trust it takes a while to know that i'm, I'm about i'm not going anywhere because i'm consistent so we, we've seen that you use video in, in ways that have attracted clients, has attracted maybe people to join the firm in terms of working for you. Have you used it um, in, in any other capacity, whether that is in like employee training or in client communication? Um, or it might be kind of like walkthroughs. Yeah, we do Loom videos. So, so for Zero, Kimmy did them when she joined us in 2020, actually, how to do a sales invoice, how to do a repeating sales invoice how to use accountancy manager. Charlotte just did one last week. Um, you find your pain point, you find your questions that you get mostly of in your emails. And if you can do a video for the client, because then you can send it on to somebody else when, you know, the, the most common pains for clients, you can put in a video, for example, and store it and save it and use it again. So we're working on that, um, which I think is a fab idea. And 
we've got a training software that was called skills training so that's a video that is obviously online training um and for clients we do management reports and we'll put a video in there because that's you can do that in 15 minutes talk about the management report so you, it's like a split screen john with the accounting excellence uh, trends again uh, video is kind of up there again it's like one of the big trends and also marketing in general kind of this kind of reminds us of just how um, the importance of marketing in order to gain those clients that we want and this kind of interest and after it kind of slumped during those COVID years. Yeah, with COVID and MTD put a break on, on outreach work uh, to that, you know, it kind of all disappeared for, for I think I described it as a three years marketing slump. Mm -hmm. So, so the, the shoots of, of marketing recovery are coming back. And as I say, people, people have picked up these, remote meeting tools i mean webinars were a big thing francesca there's there's a lot of firms doing <laughs> like like accounting webinars yeah. you know these mtd webinars we're not the only ones running them yeah. you know, it, it, it's sort of case that that's one way of catering for a need of a lot of yeah. people simultaneously so that's really taking off um social media is you know it's all right websites there's just literally we're, investment levels and activity levels look like they go back to kind of back to the pre-mtd yeah. era um but I was quite interested. You said, do you actually track those, you know, your, your, your contacts on LinkedIn and the like, will you sort of pick them up and put them in a prospect yes, folder so, and, and sort of, um, cause yeah. that's, that's really, really rare. And that's like one of the secret weapons of, of, of accounting excellence that I spotted, you know, it's the firms who do that are the ones you can actually depend upon to grow more, more rapidly. So, so what do you do on that area? That's, that's fascinating. Um, if we get an inbox from a prospect, I do have a prospect list and I'll write where they've come from and I'm telling you 75% of LinkedIn and then we we can chase if they, we send a prospect uh, proposal out, we can, we've got a month to chase and then six months. So it's, that's fantastic for growth, to be fair, you can go back to them. And uh, Tom, on this topic of kind of like social media, what, in, in kind of like the tech sphere, are you kind of seeing... Um, a, a rise in certain channels being kind of popular with accountants. Yeah, it's it's been great fun to watch uh, the rise and rise of uh, Excel TikTok. Um, you know, there's there's tax TikTok. I'm not a hundred percent sure that uh, one should be taking tax advice solely uh, via the medium of TikTok. But uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's useful in terms of sort of getting people. Uh, well, what do the marketing folks call it? You know, in the funnel. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Excel TikTok is fabulous. You know, um, I spoke to, uh, Miss Excel, um, a few months back who was, uh, yeah, over, over in the States who was, uh, yeah, a real, a real sort of personality and has, uh, uh, like utilized her, her, her skill on the spreadsheets to, uh, you know, produce this incredible sort of multi-million dollar enterprise via the medium of TikTok. So yeah, it's, that, that's been great. Well, Francesca, to kind of wrap up this topic, uh, you mentioned at the beginning that that first video you did, you it kind of felt quite vulnerable doing it. And I know that is kind of one of your, your big things when, when you talk about your videos, I think it is the, the hashtag, just post it. Um, for someone kind of listening in thinking, you know, I, I, I kind of want to do it, but I'm feeling a little bit nervous. I'm, I'm a bit scared of being vulnerable, uh, kind of putting myself out there. What kind of tips would you give to an accountant who feels that way, who feels 
that they've got this nervousness bubbling up inside of them how can they kind of overcome that and become the uh, the, the, the video style that that they have building inside of them yeah they i think you've got to use them nerves and almost tell yourself it's not just nerves it's excitement too because i was very nervous doing it and what is the worst that's going to happen it's good for accountability. So I think me saying about our growth, the potential growth and where I think it, how it will grow, um, it's kept me accountable to it because I'm saying out loud to everyone that could be listening. I pretended there was loads of people watching and at the beginning, I must have only got two likes. <laughs> um, I, I just think, keep reminding yourself what's the worst that's going to happen. Obviously nothing. If no one watches it, it doesn't matter because I think it's self-therapy as well. So I almost did it as a release. And I was doing it for me. So don't worry about the audience. And if you truly like doing it, because you'll get more confident as you do more. That's just an obvious thing in anything in life, isn't it? The more you do. Or start off on LinkedIn having conversations. Like, Don't be afraid to make a comment to other people. I think a lot of people are scared to do that. And then that might build your confidence. So even if you start commenting on other people's posts, that might start, you know, giving you a bit more confidence and chatting to other people. That's all, it's a conversation starter is what you want. Brilliant, well, thanks very much for the advice there, Francesca. It's a, a really interesting topic. And um, like you said, we're probably gonna see more of the accounting influences as we as we go on, as people use all these different outlets to build their brand. Uh, but unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today on No Account for Taste. All we've got time to say is a big thank you, Francesca, a big thank you, Tom, and a big thank you, John, and a massive thank you to everyone for listening as well. For your news from the world of accountancy, join us as ever on accountantweb.co.uk. But until next time, bye for now.